I had to build up like a business development and also fundraising from scratch. I didn't know anybody in uh, business development in New York and uh, the VC network in San Francisco. That mm. was like the big sort of like first push because in Finland it's easy. You sort of like know everybody. You go to a few parties and you know everybody. My guest in this episode, Anna Rosa Lapalainen, is a product builder, business builder, service designer, serial entrepreneur. She has many interests in emerging tech and the startup community here in Finland. I've worked with her in the past and really enjoyed it because she's so passionate when it comes to talking about business and marketing and growing startups. So let's do it. Anna Rosa is ready. I'm Tan Lei. And you're listening to Noticing the Obvious. I'm here now with Anna Rosa Lappalainen. How are you, Anna Rosa? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Really well, really well. It's nice to speak to you again after uh, having had a nice experience last year, and it's been almost a year now. Yes, since yes, we yes, indeed did some work together. So. Let me ask you the first question: How do you describe yourself now when you meet someone new and they say, "What do you do?" How do you answer? Hmm, it depends. Uh, if it's a professional encounter, I would say that uh, I have been building digital products and businesses for over twenty years. Half okay. of that in uh, in digital agencies and half of that in startups. And I'm really interested in all new technologies and emerging technologies and uh, service design and product design in general. Uh, but uh, privately, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's not relevant in this. Well, in this, uh, so don't you don't have like a short one word, you know, like a title, like I'm a I'm a designer or I'm a you know carpenter or I'm a painter, like. You don't have that word hmm. for you. What I will say, I'm maybe a consultant. I'm, no, maybe I'm a pioneer. Okay. I like to start new things. Yeah, I like that. Right. One thing about you that I've noticed uh, in the short time that I've known you, there is not many people in Helsinki in the startup world that you don't know. Well, it's kind of like really a small community, uh, and you know, there's a big group of startup people that all know each other, so mm. socially, and uh, yeah, I would say that there are a lot of people who know at least as many people in the startup world as as I do in Helsinki. Okay, so what is it about the startup world that attracts you, like compared to? A larger, more established, older business. I uh, I studied in Helsinki School of Economics. Yeah. Started in '93 and graduated in '99. I was studying uh, economics, or I graduated in economics mm. and uh, statistics and French language. I was trying to study wow. marketing, but I couldn't deal with all this sort of. I had one course that was called a. Uh, uh, building networks in business relationships and okay. it had all kind of 
as leaking theories and how every time you see somebody you have to think how can you can use them how they can be useful to you and memorize their name and their face so that you can sort of like you know take everything you can from them and i really didn't like that at all when i was you know in my early 20s mm -hmm. and i dropped i dropped out of marketing because i didn't like like the spirit there wow. and uh, i went to Helsinki school of economics and before that i went to suk which is a sort of uh, like a really good school in, in Helsinki and many people from SUK uh, end up being in uh, top positions in art, culture, business, science, whatnot. Mm. And I always hated networking. And uh, mm. then I can't I, tell. I, I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah, Because you I look like, like you're so good at it. Yes, but I didn't like networking at, at that age at all. Ah, then in okay. 2003, I moved to, to Barcelona. Yep. And I came back to Finland in 2008 and sort of like being in Barcelona and building up my network from scratch in another yes, country. Yes, yes, It was quite, I did a master's there and I, I learned to uh, know a lot of people that are still friends that I'm still in touch with and they are now all over the world. And uh, it was like really uh, a positive experience. But when I came back to Finland in 2008, I was like, wow, like everything is so easy in Finland. You know, whatever yes. happens, I know who to call and what to do. And, and I was like, wow, now like all my, uh, you know, people that I went to university with and I went to school with, they are now in all kind of like doing similar jobs than me. And in every company, I have some somebody to call. So it was all, uh, and also uh, one one change uh, in that uh, uh, in that period of my life, when I came back to Finland, I had kids and uh, I had uh, two kids and I was uh, four and a half hours, uh, four and a half years at home with my kids. In a, in a row, because in Finland you can do that, and I had been working for thirteen years a lot, uh, and mm. it was like a nice break to take. But during that time, when I was first, I was in Barcelona and away from my like Finnish network, and then I was at home with the kids. All this startup boom happened in Finland, but I had been doing startups like in Barcelona, mm. and I was a little bit like, what, the, what, what is this? Like all these people who are like ten years younger than me, and they they have like this sort of like this uh, startup, uh, you know, culture, like they are creating this to Finland and it's like really lively and they are doing really great stuff. And what I, mm. what I love about the like a uh, Finnish startup world is that it's really sort of like encouraging and positive because that's not very typical to Finnish people in general. No, but in the, startup, really. in the startup world, everybody is sort of like, you can ask anybody, you know, like, hey, I don't know what to do. Like, hey, can you can we grab coffee? And I, I, will, I will explain like what I'm struggling with, but maybe I, I would uh, like uh, appreciate advice. And everybody will always say yes. And they will give you their honest advice. And they may even like pick their friend's brains or they will introduce you to somebody. And everybody just like, you know, uh, you know, is is willing to uh, introduce you to anybody in the network yes. that could be like beneficial to you, and they are not thinking like, okay, what I'm going to lose. But you know, a little bit like, you know, if you share, everybody will share with you. It's like everybody does Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. And when I was at uh, at home with the kids and everybody was doing startups, I was like, no, that was my thing. And like I was doing startups, and then I was like away, and then I was at home, and like what? And uh, for that reason, when I came back to work, uh, 2014. I was like so hungry <laughs> for everything, <laughs> you know? And, and at that moment I started uh, really heavily network because I, was, I also decided that, okay, many people in the startup world in, fin in Helsinki are very young mm. and they are doing really successful businesses. 
So I will not, uh, you know, pay any attention to people's age or think like, oh, why these young people are doing that? But I just want to like go to the networking events and know everybody and learn from everybody and listen to everybody. And I don't like if somebody is 20 years old, they are still like really, really genuine, like really, really good founders that are that have started really young and have have uh, have, uh, have built amazing businesses. So mm. I think uh, my attitude to networking changed completely because of these things so uh then when i started working for visor and i had to build up like a business development and also fundraising from scratch i didn't know anybody in uh, business development in new york and uh, the uh, vc network in san francisco that Mm. was like the big sort of like first push because in finland it's easy you sort of like know everybody you go to a few parties and you know everybody but then I really learned to network so I'm glad that now I come uh, like you see me as somebody who is like uh, good at networking yes. because uh, I didn't feel like that when I was uh, at Helsinki School of Economics for instance I, I, I found all these like cocktail parties really awkward and didn't enjoy small talk at all and so Spain opened you up yeah and maybe also like when you go away from where you come from yes. and out of your comfort zone yes and uh then you when you come back home you're like everything is so easy like Absolutely. so much easier you know there yeah. are maybe some things that are holding you back you think more about people think of you and so on but anyway in finland it's so small that it's so easy to you know know everybody so yeah you know, and it's sort of like living abroad opens opens you up and to see like your own environments in a different way yeah I really like that you said you found it easier here when most people don't think of Finland Finnish people as a network hub and I I agree with you I find it quite easy to network here and people are willing to help and I think I was wondering do you think it's because people are not so jaded like for example in Silicon Valley or in New York or London when everyone is just full-on networking every moment here it's not like that yet do you think yeah and I, I don't think if it ever will be like like as sort of like hard as it as it in the united states in finland because finnish we finnish people we also appreciate our like own time and our personal time and we sort of like are not that much like at work all the time mm-hmm. and uh uh i don't know but for me it definitely helps that i go to two schools that produced a lot of startup founders so that's sort of like the 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 seed of the like a, there was like a massive seed uh, for a network for me even before I started doing startup stuff in in Finland so that helps as well but but in Finland it's generally it's like so so small mm. and then everybody's uh, almost everybody in the startup world they want to go to the global market and not the Finnish market so there's not so much like competition right you know yes. because uh, also like. Uh, you know, if you are helping somebody out, it's not that, uh, you know, you are competing of necessarily of the same in investors or, or like definitely not of the same clients because in the world there is enough that for Finnish people because we are so few. But it would be different if we would all be trying to, you know, go into the Finnish market because it would be much smaller. So sort of like as in European Union, like like when you unite and you... And you sort of like group your resources and you you share them. Mm. Everybody gets more. Yeah. And uh, it's it's very it's very different because Silicon Valley is like you know the central point where everything is. So it's it's very very different. We 
uh, a startup in, in Silicon Valley than, than in Finland, but still we do have like a really big community and we have really good investors and so on here. So it's, I think Finland is an excellent place to, to have a startup and to be a startup founder. Mm, that's, that's super positive. Uh, would you consider yourself an extrovert? Um, yes, I think definitely, but there's also an introvert side of me and I like to also to be alone and be by myself uh, okay. and, you know, I have both sides, but I'm, I definitely more consider myself than an extrovert. I was going to ask then, um, cause Finland, I think celebrates introverts more, would you say? And also as a startup founder, do you think it's necessary to have an extrovert personality? Because as an early stage startup, you as a founder, you need to be able to sell and you need to be able to speak and communicate clearly, right? Yes, I, I, I would say that it helps. Uh, but uh, definitely if you have to like do fundraising or business development in the States, mm. you have to sort of like, you know, go way out of your comfort zone as a thing mm. about how you st- talk about yourself and your product. And I have noticed that uh, sometimes using the same kind of tone that was working in the states mm. is really like a like you yes, know comes up wrong in Finland. Does it translate to, to the Finnish language as well? Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, you know it's it's just like uh, they think that you are a terrible bragger and you are really like not everything gonna be that good I and know. it's just like you know it's kind of, for instance if you are doing like a job interview or something like that and mm. you do it like pitching the the uh us style mm. it can really really like uh sound uh bad for Finnish. yeah and that's such a key yeah. word you said brag and mm-hmm. they really hate that here yes. well not just here but you know a lot of people hate bragging yes we, we don't feel why is that we don't feel confident do we feel like bragging is something that's not necessary if you have a good product uh well bragging is not nice and it's like if somebody is something like you know sounds like bragging then total uh, like if for example if if somebody gets offended about something that i say i should have like picked my verse differently you know and i see okay it, i was not like sensing the vibe of that person and i shouldn't have like you know used those verses so but mm. i don't think bragging bragging is ever nice but uh but know, doesn't it depend on how concept how we define bragging because surely if I've done something that I'm really proud of and it's a strong achievement, should I not say this was a really great achievement and I did this? Are we yeah, not allowed I, to do this? Yeah, I don't know why why some people like dislike that uh, so much. And it's sort of like if you would write something in Finnish and saying like, uh, you know, European Spanish or UK English and mm. US English, it's just like the same thing what you say it a little bit in a more bold way. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, but it's definitely good to sort of like understand what tones to use in different languages and different uh, countries. So in Finland, it's better that maybe to, to, you don't have to be like really humble, but still like the, the most Californian kind of talking is maybe better left outside of Finland. Mm. So, all right, you've worked as an advisor for lots of startups. So you've seen, you know, so many founders come and go. And I wanted to know, like, what patterns, what successful traits do 
do they share? Well, I would say that uh, in the most successful startups, what they have in common is that uh, the founding team mm. has a united, a united like vision and they have a strategy and they have sort of like discussed everything and agreed on everything and they 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 have like a common goal and they all agree what to do mm. to reach that goal and they sort of like also have kind of like checkpoints where they see if they if everything is going as they predicted and if not they try something else but then again if they try something else they discuss it truly and then they agree and then they do it uh, but i think in the majority of startups are uh, there is not enough communication between the founders and also maybe there is um, many times you sort of like continue in the same direction where you're going mm. and you don't sort of like uh, observe so much like what's happening around you and you don't make like the adjustments and that's why many startups they sort of like uh, run out of time. Yeah. Because uh, as a startup, even if you get like a, a, like a multi-million uh, investment, you still uh, always have very little time. And normally you only have maybe one shot, maybe two shots, maybe three shots, but you normally don't have more shots than that. Mm. And I see that, I, I think it's like especially common in, in, with Finnish startup mm. founders that they in general don't like uh, so much to communicate. And they all <laughs> are really like interested in what they are doing, like mm. uh, design or uh, coding. Mm. And they are really good at it and they don't really want to. They are like, okay, let the others deal with the other stuff. But it would be really like, uh, I have uh, made a few mistakes founding, founding companies mm. when uh, sort of uh, you are so excited about founding the company that you sort of like rush into founding that company and starting like operating but uh you don't you haven't like really discussed enough what you are doing mm. and i think it would be really good like for founders like before you start a company and before you uh decide to be business partners to talk about everything like uh uh do you want to grow as a company or do you want to be acquired and how do you want to like when and how much you are willing to to work for for that and uh you know, do you uh, do you like to all work at the office, or is like remote working okay? Or what do you want to distribute a team? And do you uh, do like uh, working hours matter to you? Because 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 if you don't discuss these things and you just sort of like assume that everybody feels the same, these things can also be something that is really sort of like on the day to day basis, adding a lot of problems. And you know. Yeah. And and uh, and I think this kind of like, uh, if if you have not agreed on what you want to achieve, do you want like growth? How fast do you want to grow the team and so on? So so if you sort of like uh, don't reserve time to to uh, often discuss like big uh, also strategy and also also what is the business strategy, how we are going to make money and so on. If you don't like. Uh, have all the founders discussing these things and making sure that everybody has some like a common vision that everybody's excited about and everybody wants to to build then uh there's a lot of like wasted energy when everybody's just sort yeah. of like 
has their own goals and they are all like working maybe around the clock to sort of like because they know okay as a programmer i want to do this or as a programming team we want to do these things mm. and maybe as a designer i want to do these things and as as a you know as business developer i want to have these deals but if you don't sort of like have the for instance the ceo and business development or marketing talking with the programmers and with the designers and all agreeing together what to do then it's sort of like uh, maybe you are building around the clock something but then it's not <laughs> like marketable or saleable yeah. you know so totally so i think agree. that's a very 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 common common problem uh, problem with startups and also it's hard to make like really bold decisions when you need to ch- change the course it's sort of like many try until the last minute to go into the direction where they just are going you know and then they run out of options so it's, it's definitely not uh, not easy because as a startup founder you have like a million things to to think about and you have to prioritize and you cannot like you do everything so you know like uh, communicating and uh, making the right prioritizations I think that's a, that's a, like the one of the yeah. most crucial challenges for start where if your idea is right then it can be that your idea is not working or like uh, you know your business idea or the technology there's something wrong with the technology of course but even when you have all the sort of what it takes to succeed then normally these uh these issues that uh we discussed i think they can really uh make it impossible for you to really mm. succeed even if you could yeah and when you said communication i was i first jumped to like marketing communication but but yeah, it makes total sense that even before we go there, you have to start with internal communication. Like the founders have to be united and they need to talk regularly yeah. and not, not like just have this talk once, like regularly. Yes, up, yes. yes. And, check and up. like have like a business plan that has everything that the business plan has to have, you know, all mm. the kind of sections like the company culture and blah, blah. But it should like touch a little bit all the major topics and uh in each stage there are like uh certain topics that are more important than the others but anyway you should sort of like have a grasp of everything all the like big strategic topics that you have in a company like you know new company but also when you have already grown a little bit but but have like this that everybody knows okay this is our business plan this is what we are doing it's here i can always like go and look what is in it and then you take it to the table say like once a month and you go through everything and and see if you still agree and if you don't agree with something then you change it you know so then everybody would always know what they are doing but i think it's uh it's very common that uh that's not the case and do you think it's more of a problem obviously with a larger team so if you just have two founders for example it might be easier to handle than if you have seven or eight i think i think it's um I think it's also difficult when you have just a few partners because if you have like two partners that mm. are equal partners mm. and they disagree then even more both only do what they want to do i mm. i'm like my first company was a little bit like that okay uh it was a travel agency like a digital travel agency back in the early 2000 uh, i was running it for five years and uh we sort of like we we're really excited to start it but then uh along the way we were always have to you know had discussions about uh disagreeing about about like big stuff so so i think like before you found a company and decided okay i'm going to make it like write a business plan and discuss everything and uh, and see that you can agree 
on something that you can take forward. Because uh, if, if I would have done, like in a few cases of my life, if I would have done this beforehand, then I wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have like a run into the kind of problems that we had, you know? Mm, yeah. Because it was just like a difference of opinions more than anything. So once they've got that together, everything aligned, do you think it's important for one person to have a voice, like the lead CEO? Because you're saying if two people uh, disagree, then it's a problem. So do you think it's important to have one voice? Yes, I think it it's, uh, it definitely would make everything like much easier. But of course, it would be good that this person would be like a people person and that would uh, like listen to other people. Yep. And, you know, the co-founders, team members, like uh, customers, clients, whatever, and then sort of like draw conclusions and make decisions. But uh, it's like one person that can make like really hard and quick decisions. I think, yes, definitely it would make things easier. And I think it's uh, like, I, well, I don't, I don't know any, any company that would have been a big success and didn't have like a, you know, a strong CEO. Do you think it's important for the CEO to be visible? Meaning, should he be out there, you know, tweeting, uh, blogging, writing, speaking, public speaking? Well, um, I think it definitely would help. I think that's something in Finland, we have a, a tradition to uh, respect technical background. Yes. Like people with technical background as leaders, and they many times don't have a lot of like, sort of like uh, people skills and leadership potential. They are really good at tech. but uh, And they don't have the also, desire either. Yeah, they don't have the yeah, desire they, to they shout. They don't like to be on the spotlight. Yeah. And they don't like to talk and they don't want to like, you know. So uh, I think in Finland, uh, that's definitely something that the startup startups may struggle with a little bit. So it's, uh, you know, if you want like a strong tech, tech CEO mm. with a tech background mm. to have like a CEO with tech background who would like to like, you know, be very active on social media and, and offer to, to talk everywhere. It's a bit hard to find with the, you know, the Finnish uh, character in general and, and also with the, with the kind of uh, people that we see as, uh, as the CEO in Finland. In yeah. So I think, I guess the first step is if you're that kind of person, the first step is to recognize it and then maybe hire somebody to be the face, to be the, you know, head of communications or the CMO or something, would you say? Like you shouldn't, as a CEO, you shouldn't feel obligated if you're not that kind of person to be out no, there. I, I, or, I or do you think you should force yourself to, to get out there more? I, I think Finland, we have the kind of like mentality that uh, you have to be able to do everything on your own. And it's not good to ask for help in anything. Oh, and interesting. Es- especially like uh, uh, buying services in Finland is something that is always considered as like a, you know, a waste of money because why don't you do it yourself, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so you don't have to pay anybody. So I would definitely say that uh, for for uh, uh, like a CEO yeah. who doesn't enjoy the spotlight, who is not like very naturally, you know, comfortable with, uh, you know, being very active on social media and so on. Mm. So I would definitely hire help mm. to do that, you know, to, to sort of like uh, 
help you write that, help you plan that, have mm. somebody to sit down like once a week and plan your like your social media presence and who can like, you know, prepare stuff for you. And maybe if you have to have, have speaking opportunities, it's definitely better if the CEO is still doing the speaking opportunities, it looks mm. better. So uh, like, ask, like ask and accept and hire help for somebody to do a good presentation and, and, uh, and write a good speech for you. Because uh, many times these kind of opportunities, they, they are unique mm. and it's really, really, uh, it's like, your chance maybe to... not the best. Yeah. It's not the best idea to, to try to do everything by yourself and then fail and miss the opportunity. Exactly. And, and also I think if you are like a startup CEO, maybe you want to, uh, found multiple companies, you want to sort of like, uh, maybe you will be CEO five times. So mm. if you sort of like hire somebody and start doing that, get a little bit out of your comfort zone, but have somebody who will really like hold your hand and, and help you to produce the material. Mm. Like, you know, for example, sit down once, once a week with somebody and plan like, okay, what we are talking about, because you have the big ideas, but normally as a CEO, you are really busy and you don't like maybe enjoy writing or something like that. So you really have it like in your brain, but have somebody who can dig it out from there and then sort of like formulate for you so that you don't have to do it. And also to put like pressure to, to get it done. Mm. But then as, as a CEO and as a, as a person, then you will evolve. So with your next startup, you will know better and the next even better and so on. Because if you sort of like just decide that, uh, that's very common in Finland. Mm. If something is hard, let's just not communicate at all. Let's just sort of like hide it and not think about it and let's not say anything because mm. we don't really know what to say. So uh, Just hope then, it goes uh, away. Yeah, but it's, yeah, but it's sort of like uh, that kind of mentality is not very helpful uh, as, uh, you know, for professional growth. Well, not just professional, personal growth, you know, you can always and, apply and, and, these. And personal growth as well, <laughs> and, or, or, your compa- or your company, you know. Yeah. So, so, so I think uh, in Finland... Uh, Startups feel many times feel feel bad to 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 hire help, so so I think, but it's not very easy to find uh, good help. Sort of the right <laughs> the the right resources or the you know, and it's it's I think also in Finland it's a bit hard to to uh, hire good marketing people mm. because it's not uh, like in Finland it's so te- tech oriented, so mm. uh, so I think it's uh, it's uh, it's a bit challenging, but. Uh, but things but are changing. Improving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it's improving. The, the like uh, the there is uh, like more education that is uh, you know that is uh, suitable for startups. Like there are people graduating from uh, from 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 schools that are better at these things, mm. and uh, and the new uh, younger generation is like more native to to exactly social media presence and so on. So that's something that is really nice, and that's why I really love that in the Finnish startup community you have you know teenagers and then you have people who are like 70 years old have been Mm. doing this for like 50 years and everybody's working together and it's like in a sort of like in a very positive spirit that Mm. is very uncommon to Finland in general yeah if I ask you what percentage if, if I can ask you for a number so if you you have 50 percent of your time building and 50% of your time selling or promoting or marketing, which way do you think a CEO should lean? Like if I can ask you for a percentage either side. I think the CEO should really 
think well of course it depends at which stage you are if you are doing like sort of like an uh like technical invention innovation and you sort of like need to prove that it's technically possible then you're uh you have to be uh concentrated on the product mm. but uh when you are sort of like a but then that stage when you are past that stage when do you CEO know should definitely be open to the world and taking sort of like be very very interested in uh different stakeholders uh opinions and and sort yeah. of not be you know uh being jumping around like from opinion to opinion you know and change his minds constantly but but uh but really like be able to to listen and understand and filter that information and then take that information and then talk to the product team and see like okay how do we sort of like how should this affect our product and then make the 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 decisions the necessary decisions i think like if you are too too, uh, too product centric many times you build something like uh you know uh really big and then when it's ready you you uh notice that uh it's not working and nobody wants to, to buy it and, and i think that's something and that, there's uh, no awareness for it yes yes and you said when it's ready I, 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 yeah i think i think like uh, well it's when it's sort of like market ready like if you have a tool say, say you have a tool so when you have built it to the stage where you can use the tool you know mm. and make content with the tool or uh you can sell the tool or whatever so at at that stage so you should not like be you know uh you sh- should not be like working in a stellar mm. isolated from the world and then come back when you have something ready exactly i but agree even, uh, during that that uh that uh that uh, process you should sort of like be be open to to uh the world outside and and uh, sort of like like uh get that information and then filter it and yeah. go through it with your team and so on that's why i'm going to be a little bit controversial because you said yeah depends what stage and you said if it's early stage and you're just building something to prove you know viability then you should be focused on the product i'm gonna say something super controversial i'll say even from day one even back it up to day zero, you should tell people about it first before the thing even exists. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you start off on on that with that mindset, which is, oh yeah, I'm going to focus on the product first, then how do you know when to yeah. ease off the gas? You know, like you're just going to be yeah. stuck in there. Whereas if you start off with a mindset of, I'm going to tell people about it, then you have yeah. accountability. Then you're on the yes. you're on the line. You have to do it. You have to follow yes. up. Yes, I, I think it's important to have like somebody with a very strong inner opinion and uh, inner vision mm. about the product. But uh, I rarely have seen that done like an isolation from the world and then come up with something super successful but because most times exactly. things change a lot. Yeah. And if you sort of like build everything and you've used almost all your money yes. and then see like, okay, at yes. the step three out of 100, yes. we went wrong. We should have gone the other way. Uh, yeah. So, so that that's uh, like very common that that happens. Yeah, which means just start talking about it from day one. Start putting it mm-hmm. out. Start iterating from day one. Yes, and I think uh, the a startup like a community could learn a lot uh, about how video games are being done and marketed mm. because oh, they are really like a sort of like a think about the monetization from start. Because it's very common to have something exactly. where that you really don't think about probably how you are going to monetize mm. and how you are going to make uh, make money. 
but all the video games always think first like how i'm going to make money and then also they do like from very early on they sort of like make assumptions and then they measure and then they make decision based on those uh uh the data it sounds so simple Yes, but but our video game video games have been doing that quite a long time. Yeah, and we have seen how successful video games companies we have, and it's not you know, uh, it's not by accident that it happened, but it's a like really really sort of like a. Uh, I think it's really interesting that that kind of process is not more commonly used in the yeah, B2B it is. world, it's... and and not only in startups but also in big corporations and and. Uh, design agencies and advertising agencies because i think it's quite revolutionary and it's like really working and it would work also for for b2b in many many yeah things. all right cool all right so this podcast is called noticing the obvious so i want to ask you as a last question because i'm i'm a huge fan of the truth being obvious and it's just something that we need to discover and remind ourselves of so can you give me something super obvious like the most obvious uh, thought that comes to mind when it comes to growing and developing business no matter how obvious it is what's the what's the most important thing for you you have to sort of like have like maintain that inner fire that you believe that you like what you are doing and you make like the little turns you know uh, you don't like just bang your head but you have to like believe in yourself mm. and have a, like uh, maintain your passion and people are going to say no to you and you will have a lot of like sort of uh, things coming along the way and not like lose the courage just keep on going oh I, I saw like a very funny meme that said that uh, do you feel that the world is always like you know turning you down and nobody's accepting you like be more like youtube music never give up <laughs> so i think that's that kind of mentality uh, that's so as a funny. founder that's so funny yeah because i was just thinking about that because youtube music is telling me to come and join all the time i'm supposed to move yes. my because i use google play yes. and yes i just so maybe as a startup founder you a little bit need to be like uh like youtube music <laughs> keep going and not uh let people you know stop you well, what about do you think should you worry about being too pushy and too annoying or you would you say oh, no? Of course, of course YouTube uh music is too pushy and too annoying. Not in that style, but uh in that spirit. Okay. Like believe in yourself and keep going. Cool. I like it. All right, Anna Rosa, thank you so much. Thank you, Tan. All right, that was Anna Rosa Lapalainen. Check out her LinkedIn profile, which will be in the description and podcast notes. I'm Tan Lei. You can find me on noticingtheobvious.com, where you will also find other episodes of this podcast with many other interesting guest professionals from around the world sharing personal and business philosophy. Thank you for listening.